Patas. 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 Welcome to Fart House, where we watch the artsiest, fartsiest films so that you can pretend that you did. I am one of your hosts, Casey O'Brien, and I am joined by my little dude, Patrick Mallon. Patrick, how are you doing? Case, I'm doing all right. I'm just kind of going from here to there. You know, oh shit, doing all that things. Uh, I just found out uh, moments before uh, we started recording. I got an email uh, from my therapist, and he's discontinuing uh, oh, psychotherapy God. sessions. So now I have an entirely new complex. Uh, wondering if I was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Do you think you were? I, do you think he's like? I can't do this with this guy. I think anymore. there's a non. And I'd rather than face him, I'm actually quitting my profession. <laughs> yeah, it's like pursuing a totally different uh, calling, a totally different vocation. Because I'm I taking just, up painting. I'd stymied him so much with my insanity that he kept you awake at night. Probably <laughs> kept him awake yeah, at night. Poor I mean. guy. Uh, yeah yeah he's He's real the real victim in this story (laughs) i know so if any of you uh know anyone that wants to um therapize uh, be your therapist yeah if if any of you want to be my therapist dms are open Seems like such an odd way to get a therapist like oh my buddy's a therapist he can be your i don't know it would be in in all seriousness it would be the absolute worst way to find a therapist hey i listen to your pod and (laughs) I know someone that would be pretty I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> Patrick, I wanted to ask you a question. Yeah. At the top of the show that has nothing to do with film. Do you feel like... Now, you love craft beer. Love craft beer. Drinking one right now. Don't you feel like, like the conservatives and the right really hate craft beer? Or like... Do you know what I mean? There's like ongoing conversation about... I just saw a meme of... Elijah Wood on the scooter, you know that meme mm-hmm. where he's like on a scooter and it was like craft beer. It's like, it was like liberals going to the craft brewery to go like use craft beer in place of their personality or something <laughs> like that. So they do. And they, I think overall, I think they deride craft beer, but I think there is this far right incel uh, faction of craft beer lovers. Like, and sort of like Blue Lives Matter types. Like you'll see yeah. there's like these weird breweries that'll pop up that are oh, like dedicated. Like their whole shtick is like pro-military, pro-cop. And there's even really? like. Yeah. Have you heard of this like Trump loving coffee shop? And you'll you'll see. I need to hold on one second. Well, you know, there is a crossover with uh alt-right behavior and hipsterdom you know like um gavin mcginnis one of the founders of vice and like people used to call him like the original hipster he was like in williamsburg and he's also like an alt-right proud boy founder fanatic you know yeah the guy's a total psychopath but he's like kind of a prototype of like the 2010 era hipster uh this is the one black rifle coffee company it's based in salt lake city they they advertise on Joe Rogan. Yes. So they are a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee and culture to people who love America. Uh, I When I say he, they advertise on Joe Rogan, it may have sounded like I listen to Joe Rogan, <laughs> but I do not I know you and will not, and he is a disease. But I know that I've heard of them. I heard about them today. 
That's wild. Yeah, you. I'll see people every once in a while with a Black Rifle Coffee Company shirt, and it's Jesus kind of Christ. basically it's a nice indication that uh, I don't want to have anything to do with those people. They're just yeah. shitheads. So yeah. Speaking of shitheads, uh, your governor did oh my one of God. the most shitheadiest things I've ever seen. Uh, and uh, you know we don't get political on this podcast ever. We never talk politics. No, we, at any you would no, time. <laughs> never be able to discern where we stand on the spectrum. But we are pro-trans people, and uh, I think what he's doing is heinous and violent and dangerous, and uh, I hate him. Oh, it's Patrick, awful. So, Leah, get out of there. My girlfriend Leah, who of course is the world's greatest attorney, she sent me. This is good to have for both of us in case you and I get in some trouble. Yes, very good. To actually, have. I know. I'm kind of. It's going to happen at some point, Leah. We need yeah. to. Leah, yeah. Leah Leah's on retainer me. for Fart House. Yeah, keep her on retainer. So she she sent it to me this morning, his stupid fucking letter, and said, in case you needed to rage on this cold Wednesday. And so I asked, I was like, can they be sued for this? And she said, there's all kinds of HIPAA issues with this, and it's just performative ahead of election season. So I don't think it really okay. has much teeth, but it's still an awful, evil thing it, to do. It's much like Trump... What he says emboldens people right, yes, to do violence, exactly. and that is not It makes good. fringe, it, it gives validation to fringe views or to hateful views. It yes. like lends credence to things that are hateful and awful when you have something like this coming from the governor of a state. Yeah. Yeah, it was very upsetting. <sighs> it's very frustrating. Very upsetting. Annoying. It's really upsetting. So, um... But anyway, but, sorry about that. No, I don't know why we went on that tear. Who brought that up? Uh, Patrick, you did. Was it you? No, it was you. Oh, but I do. Me. Before we get to the meat of the show, I do want to talk to you. But so this weekend, uh, I ran a half marathon. Yes, I saw that, Patrick. Congratulations! You're so in shape. Thank you. I am very proud of myself. But what I was thinking about was how on earth did you do the full marathon? Uh, like, do you remember? Did you listen to music? Did you like? What no, was you know, when I ran, I didn't listen to anything. And I think I did that intentionally to train for the marathon. Uh, and, you know, it's just about I had no job at the time, Patrick. Running that <laughs> marathon was my job. So, like, every day you just run a little bit more. And, like, by the time the marathon came around, it wasn't that hard because I had already worked up to that mileage. Yes. You know, I followed a very strict schedule. And I was able to do that because I didn't have a job mm. where I could, like, just be gone for, like, four hours. Because it takes so long <laughs> yeah, to run. Mm -hmm. So that's how I did it. And will I ever do it again? It's unlikely. Will I ever run again? Also <laughs> unlikely. Uh, it made me... So the half marathon, I think because I, I did a very slow pace, especially to start. Um, and so... By the time I finished, I actually felt like really good. Like that's great. Leah and I were running pretty hard the last three miles. Like, are we? That's awesome. Went from like an eleven-minute pace to like an eight-minute pace for the end. Yeah. So I was feeling pretty good. So I, I'm curious about a marathon. It's just crazy that that was the halfway point, and I'm like, I can't imagine doing that all over again. You know what? Funny. The first ten miles are super easy because it's a different mindset. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're kind of like, I feel like I'm going to be running for eternity mm -hmm. you know what i mean and uh like do you start off with that mindset like i'm not gonna stop kind running. of I'm you're just, just gonna like i'm gonna be running for the rest of the day <laughs> like you kind of have that yeah. and there's so much adrenaline 
that you actually have to slow yourself down mm-hmm. because you're like thousands of people are around you and it's just like, oh my God, I am alive, yeah. you know? And there's like music playing all the way through. There's stuff, there's stuff going on. So it's always entertaining. I think around the 20 mile mark, I really started to hurt mm-hmm. and I had some Advil with me and I took it and that helped. Um, but Oh, you took the Advil on the run? Yeah. Oh, cool. That's smart. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Trisha was so, waiting for you at the end, right? She was. Lovely. And she had a sign on the way. Oh, it said, you make sweet. my heart race, Case. <laughs> pretty cute. <laughs> that is pretty cute. Uh, anyways, how was your weekend, Casey? Oh, it was fine. What did I even do? I don't even know. Well, you know, Trisha and I are house hunting right now, so we looked at some mm. houses. Yes, yes. Uh, in it's, it's, it's crazy out there, man. I know. We put in... 15 offers Fuck. and we get out trisha just sent me this one we got outbid by over one hundred fifty thousand, and we're like we can't afford this it's crazy outbid by not, over one hundred fifty thousand. yeah it's crazy isn't that insane <sighs> it's wild it's, it's wild it's out wild. there it's so a scene, we're man. broadening our search from like outside the hip cool areas a little bit not too far yeah but you but know. you know the way that the way that la works i mean the hip cool areas We'll come to us. We'll come to you guys. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's all, you know, it is what it is. It man. is what it is, so, man. Patrick, yeah. we must move on okay, to no. Letterboxd Rundown. Or do we want to thank our... Wait, what do we do first? Do we thank oh, our I'm patrons? Oh, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. I'm a fool. I'm an idiot. No, you're not. Our of those patrons. Things. Stop it, we stop need it. to say... We need to kiss our patrons. We have some... Who are they? Okay. This week, we have two spectacular. We love them. Beautiful. The patrons are like our children. They are just ch- like in a cult. <laughs> yeah. They're they're our children and we love them each individually. And uh yes. And go on. they will abide by what we say. Uh and they will inherit the earth. They will inherit the earth. First, we have a couple of Californians today. Who? Uh we have Spike Spiegel. Spike! We love Spike. We love Spike. We love Spike for many, many reasons. Famously, he posted about us in the David Lynch. Uh, oh, that was Reddit. Spike. That was Spike. Yeah. So we we love Spike for doing that. Someone else else posted about us in the Criterion Reddit this month or this week. Yeah, which was also really cool. Super exciting. This is great. We, love we have. We are so thankful to everyone that is spreading yes. the gospel of Fart House. So yes. Spike is from Upland, California. Oh, which is not too far from LA, I think. Right? I've never been to Upland. I'm, I'm aware of it, though. Yeah, um, there's stuff happening up there. Yeah, Spike's there. Spike's he's, there. He's, he's moving. He's moving and shaking up there. And Spike's favorite art house movie is Inland Empire. Oh, what a great art house movie! We will do that maybe in our fiftieth year. Yeah, <laughs> at some point. Uh, I need to watch that again. Actually, me too. I, that, how many times have you seen one. it? I think just once. I've seen it just once in two, when it came out in two thousand six. Yeah. I think, and it was two thousand seven. That was a that was a tough one. Yeah, for me then. But I'm you know because of this podcast, I'm much, I'm much smarter. I basically has a PhD in snobbery <laughs> now, so I think I would be able to dissect that film a little bit better now. Do you have a score but, for it? Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. I was gonna give it a nine point five. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that is, I'll go. Oh yeah, we'll say nine point five. <laughs> yeah. It's long. It is vexing. It looks like shit in the most respectful way. Yes. I mean, it's shot on like a mini DV camera. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
Yeah. But Spike, thank you for your support. Thank you, Spike. We love Great you. Great choice. Uh, Great choice. And then up next, we have Joshua Conkle. Hopefully, I'm pronouncing the last Josh. name correctly. Uh, I hope you're okay calling you Josh, Joshua. Yes, was also unsure about that. I don't know if it's... It's, uh, I feel very comfortable with him already. Okay, yeah. So I'm gonna yeah, call we're going to call him Josh, and then if he objects, we will definitely retract and Yeah, we'll Joshua. retract yeah. it. We're honest. Uh, Josh is from LA. Whoa. Did um, he say what part? He did not say what part. What um, if we're neighbors? Wouldn't that be crazy? That would be pretty crazy. That'd be I pretty cool. I see him wearing a fart house shirt in the wild. That would be so cool. Oh, my cool. God. Which, another... So, okay. Uh, speaking of shirts, I'm a huge piece of shit. Stop it. I am. Uh, but the exciting update is I am. So today is February 23rd. I am flying back to San Diego on March 1st. And fart, ha- fart heads that are in San Diego, don't wait at the airport for him. That's tacky. <laughs> no, I would love that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> if you're a fan and you're in San Diego, show up to the airport for me. <laughs> Having a sign that says, Mr. Mallon. <laughs> yeah. Give me a ride. Uh the shirts are at my parents' house in San Diego. I will be, do, be doing nothing except working and shipping out shirts uh, while I'm in you San Diego. You need to employ the Maj and Faj to help you. Well, Maj what actually Maj, Maj picked up the shirts uh, okay, from the good. vendor in North Park. Um, good. So Maj did her share. Okay. And I'm sure Faj had some supervisory duties. What's he even doing these days? <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? We need to employ employ both of them. <laughs> but we will have Get the shirts the payroll. shipped out to folks soon. Uh, but back to Josh. Josh's yes. favorite art house movie is Under the Skin, which I love. Oh, I love Under the Skin. Love. I saw that in theaters. I love that movie. Me too. Uh, Under the Skin. I'm going to give that. That's also getting a pretty high score, yes. honestly. Like I'm going to say 8.9. Ah, that's so good. I was going to say 8.7. My big beef with that was the advertising, the way they advertised that movie, because, okay, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler for this movie. They were like, it was always like, an alien woman. And I was like, you don't know that she's an alien until the very end. I wish I hadn't known that going in. Oh, really? You wish you hadn't known it? For me, it didn't really, um, well, I guess... I, I knew it going in, but I am curious to see how I would have reacted. I guess it probably would have been better for it to be a... But it was based on a novel, so it was kind of out don't there. I not care. <laughs> I didn't read the novel. I don't read, Patrick. I only go to the cinema. No, you read. You're a reader. I'm not really. <laughs> I've gotten a lot better, though. Oh, here's my here's a little uh, hint to help you read. Okay, so there's a, there's a New York Times newsletter called Read Like the Wind by Molly Young, who's their book critic, and it is great, and it gives you so many helpful books. She like It comes out every month, and there's like such great little tidbits in there and great book recommendations, oh, and a, it's like new and old. Cool. So I love this. This is fantastic. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so, thank you, Joshua, for... Supporting the show and d- two great choices for art house movies: Excellent Inland choices. Empire and Under the Skin. Fantastic. Right in our wheelhouse. So Joshua right Spike, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, y'all thank are the you. best. Patrick, yes. Letterbox rundown. How was your week? It was not bad. Uh, I watched. Me neither. I had a good week. Finished. Uh, I mentioned last week with Ify, uh, Lee, and I had started Basic Instinct. We finished Basic Instinct. Uh, great. Great. Uh, watch RoboCop. I had seen it like on TV as a kid. Oh, you'd never seen RoboCop? I'd never seen like the un. I had never seen like the actual. 
ver- like I'd only seen TV what did versions and loved it. Incredible. I love RoboCop. RoboCop is so fucking good. It's even better than I expected. It's almost one I I want to do it for the recalibration, but it is like an art house movie kind of. I <laughs> like, have become obsessed with Paul Verhoeven. I think as you should. All Americans should. Yes. He's he's um I believe he's the de facto king of the Netherlands. Um, he should. He should be. Yeah. He should. Tr- no, he's that's not true. Not legally. <laughs> let's get th- things. Don't we have a friend who's living in Berlin who was a farthead last week? Yes. Can't he make his way over to the Netherlands and yeah. push some people around? Evan Storling. Uh, yes. From uh, well, he's from the Minnesota of Europe. What is? He's from Oslo, Norway, from Oslo, but, he but lives now he's in, in Berlin. Berlin. There's got to be something he can do to get Paul. Verhoeven. Get over there. Flights are cheap, probably. <laughs> Uh, so watch RoboCop, finish Basic Instinct. <laughs> so I think I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the night before the race. Yeah, it was the night before the race. We were like, uh, you know, going to bed early, wanted something light. Sure. And I hadn't seen Ace Ventura: Pet Detective oh, in forever, like so fantastic. long. And. We decided to watch Ace Ventura Pet Detect. <laughs> what did you have a, t- a fun time? I can't decide if it's the worst movie ever made or the best movie ever made. It is like rough. Like you're like this kind of is bad. Yeah, and it feels like it's from 1982. It's, Doesn't it feel older? It than feels it, way than older, it? and it's just like the character of Ace Ventura is so bizarre. Like the fact that like 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 he's a love interest. It makes no sense. Like, like, like I remember watching. I think I saw it for the first time when I was in college. So, like later in life, you know. Yeah, I saw and, Pet Detective after When Nature Calls, and When Nature Calls is weird. But I think it's, I don't know. Maybe I need to see it again. But I thought it was funnier than Pet Detective. Pet Detective. When he, when, uh, Courtney Cox is like wants to have like insinuates she wants to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. I was like, excuse me, you did not earn this movie at all. Like it was such a shock in the film. No. Also, there's a horrible uh, back to transphobia. That the movie has a is horrible transphobic so ending. offensive. And it's like that is aged so horribly. So badly. So that was almost extremely shouldn't offensive. Be on, it almost shouldn't be shown on cable. No. Anymore, I but. think you it, I mean that movie kind of really shouldn't it's a pretty awful ending i was shocked i had did not remember that being the ending at all it's so <laughs> outside it's the laughable realm. it is laughable it is and like i do give jim carrey credit for having a i think what's hard is like he he set off this uh what's the word like an armada of imitators yeah you know especially He's like a genius just like elementary school kids and middle yeah. school kids obsessed with Jim Carrey. And so you've seen his faces and heard impressions of him m- literally hundreds of thousands of times yes. throughout your lifetime. And so it's by the time you see it, this when you watch this again, it feels stale. But then you kind of have to appreciate it for what it was at that time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Unlike anything. <laughs> God, what a movie. It really is. a. It, it feels it's so dated. It's very dated. But there really oh, is God. nothing like I'm trying to put myself in the there's like the facial expressions he makes are yeah and his outfits and like everything about it's it. It's wild, it's man. It's so bizarre. Just the oddest fucking Jim movie. Jim Carrey 
I Jim Carrey is one of those people, and I feel like there's actually few people where you're like the most famous person on the planet at a given time. Like Jim Carrey reached that, Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan. I feel like he reached heights that no like current actor or star has reached. I agree. You know, maybe like BTS, but like that's yeah, it, like The know? Rock, BTS, yeah, The Rock, Jim Carrey, yeah, yeah. Well. That's great. Anyways, I'm glad you. So, I'm glad you watched that. Yeah, a couple of Verhoeven movies and a Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Uh, let me tell you about my week. Yes, please. So I'm trying to see Oscar movies. So I watched Mo- Nightmare Alley. Mm. How was it? When I finished it, I didn't like it that mm. much. But it is, in retrospect, I think it's actually pretty good. It is not a fantastical movie. It is like a noir tragedy. What makes it? Th- so I thought the trailer looked incredible. I was very amped for yeah. it when I saw the trailer. What? made you underwhelmed well it's like it's like two hours and 45 minutes okay and it's very dark and i i think at the end of it i was kind of like what is this movie trying to say there's just not that much there i feel like but are there enough vibes to supplant the lack of there's a a lot of good vibes i i think i i liked it now in retrospect more okay I don't know. It's worth watching. I mean, the performances are good. It's like, here's the thing. It is two movies. It is like half of it is one place. And then it's like, okay, we're going somewhere else now. Okay. And and those kind of movies, like those epics, it felt like a novel and it was a book. So yeah. Have you Um, seen the original? No, me neither. So I watched that. Cool. Then I watched this movie by Joan Micklin Silver. Have you heard of this director from the seventies? Mm-mm. She did a movie called Between the Lines, which is about an alt newspaper in Boston. It is kind of a loose, fun 70s movie. It stars Jeff Goldblum. Cool. It stars John Hurd, who was the dad in Home Alone. Yes. Bruno Kirby is in it. Oh, my God. All very young. Mary Lou Renner. It is a great... This is a great cast. Was this on Criterion Channel, or how'd you watch this? It is on the Criterion Channel, and it's on uh, Canopy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really fun. It's just like a loose, fun 70s movie. I highly recommend it. That, that reminds me. I've been really wanting to see... Um, actually, after watching the movie we're going to discuss today, I started thinking about Sam Peckinpah movies. Have you seen The mm. Getaway? No. Me neither. I. It sounds really good. It sounds like the perfect 70s vibe movie. It's with um, Steve McQueen. It looks really you good. You should watch Between the Lines. It's really fun. Cool. It's like I'm going to really, add it it's to my cool. watch list it, it makes right you now. Wanna, it makes you want to work at like an alt newspaper. Like they work at like the LA Weekly of Boston, basically. And they're always like, oh, this was better seven years ago. It's like there's no more counterculture anymore. And it's just kind of funny seeing that in like the 70s. It's like, that's what we're, that's what I say now. Yeah. Like, like back, you thought that back then? It's so like it's, perversely it's encouraging to know that. Yeah, it is. The more it, re- things it is. No, change, totally. The more I'm they like, stay the same. <laughs> I'm like, I. If I think there's no counterculture now, I'm stupid. I'm being stupid. Like, these characters are stupid. Like, the movie's making fun of these people. So, uh, so that was great. And then I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one. Mm, how was it? So, have you seen this online? People are going crazy about this movie. If It's a lot of... Um, there's discourse, and it's divisive. There's discourse. Oh, there's discourse. And people are like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. People are saying that. I've seen this, yeah. Now, I'm in an awkward position here because I personally know the guy who wrote this movie. Really? Who? Chris Devlin. He's a, he worked with Tom Myers, and 
he was he's a pal. He was a pal of mine, and he wrote a play that I was in. And I thought this Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I thought it was fun. And I didn't think it was that bad. I don't understand why people... It's a slasher movie. You know what I mean? I don't understand why this was such a egregious film. I th- it's crazy violent. Like, it's insane. It's not PG-13. You know, it's R. It's a hard R. And it's a hard arm, but there's no way I'm not going to like it. Like, I don't. And it's a hard R and it's like brutal. And it's basically like Leatherface killing a bunch of. So the the premise of the movie is that there's all these like influencer hipsters from Austin. They purchased a small town that they're going to like turn into like a hipster paradise, basically. (laughs) This is a great concept. (laughs) And guess what? Leatherface fucking lives there. And. They, it's great. I really liked it. I thought it was good. I don't get... I do not get the hate. And I think you'd have fun, Patrick, because it is wild. So, I'm very curious to watch it because I love the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Have you seen uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 with Dennis Hopper? I've only seen the first one. Okay. So, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is, by any standard metric, a bad movie. But it's, like, the most fun, enjoyable time. I think this movie is going to have a retroactive because it's fun. Yeah. I thought it was fun. And it's short. And it's, like, some, like, violence that made me scream. Okay, I love that. All right. I'm really keen on watching it then. Okay, I want to hear what you have to say, Patrick, because the hate, I feel like, is out of control. Have you heard of Brian Collins? Mm, No. He's this, uh, uh... Film writer, he used to write for, uh, what was it, Badass Digest, which then became Birth Movies Death, or Birth Death Movies, I can't remember. Anyways, he wrote a book called, he he did this, he challenged himself to watch one horror movie a day yes, I for a year, him. and I bought his book, and it's a great book, highly recommend it, Brian Collins, Horror Movie a Day. He, uh, I think... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like very sacred to him. One of his favorite yeah. horror movies. In fact, this is kind of funny. I sat in front of him one time at. A, I remember uh, this. Yeah, at a. Um, I think I was with. You I think you were there. Show. Yeah, at Texas Chainsaw Massacre screening, and it had a weird live score that was different from the. And score he walked the, out. And he walked and he stole out. his beer. <laughs> I didn't steal his beer. I may have stolen. He left beer. a beer behind he and we took it. <laughs> okay. Yes. True. It was an unopened beer. It was unopened. It was a bottle of beer that was unopened. <laughs> And we drank it. God, your memory is really good. No, it's not. I just remember that. But anyway, it's gone. Anyways, I'm looking at his letterboxed review of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the new one. And he says, has just enough admirable moments to keep me from dismissing it outright. So that piques my interest. Yeah, absolutely. If he didn't hate it, I just don't. I thought like people are like, I don't understand the hate. It's like they haven't seen. I think they're expecting elevated horror. Mm. I think they're expecting something more intelligent or something but it's funny it's like this is like a classic 80s slasher cool to me this sounds great so, to me and those were all very it. poorly reviewed at the time too so i yeah i just don't understand what people were expecting i truly don't yeah <laughs> anyways that's what i watched cool patrick we gotta move on yeah sorry we, we've, we've gummed up the wheels we're going ham tonight people i don't know what's going into this <laughs> This is Fart House. We know this, okay? We watch the artsiest, fartiest films so that you can pretend that you did. Now, we watched a movie this week that I don't even know if I would consider Art House. And we're going to discuss it. But we watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and we will put it through the fartsy test. So we will determine 
how artsy fartsy this movie is. We will, man. But Patrick, I must ask you, do you own this movie and have you seen it before? I have seen it. Good. I own it. I own a movie poster from it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. I don't know where that poster is. Uh, it's probably at my parents' house somewhere. And I couldn't find my DVD copy. So I had to sure. do a little... Um, Rent-a-roo? rent a Well, sort of. Uh, Went in the black market, got it. But why are we talking about uh, Butch Casting the Sundance Kid? I don't know, Patrick. You tell me. So, real ones will recall, slash patrons of the farts, that... If you give us $100 and you're a patron of the farts, we... And we approve the movie, and we which we did. Movie, which we did approve this. And I think ultimately, I mean, the fartsy test will demonstrate how we ultimately feel about this movie's artsy fartsiness. But I, Casey the and The fartsy I, test judges all. It judges all. And it's uh, indiscriminate. It's indiscriminate. Exactly. So... Uh, my dad, the great equalizer. Some of the said. great, the, the great equalizer. My dad, the Fage, legendary figure in the Fage in fart house folklore. Uh, yes, he. Uh, this is his favorite movie, Butch Cassidy wow. and the Sundance Kid. In fact, we saw it uh, at the Ken Theater, which was before it closed, the oldest movie theater in San Diego. Um, we saw it for now, his birthday one year. Your father famously ran into movie theaters terrorizing Southern California <laughs> and ruining the ending of The Sting yes. when it came out. Incidentally, Did also he... a George Roy Hill movie. <laughs> also George Roy Hill, also Paul Newman and Robert Redford. But did he give uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid the same treatment? Ruining the film for hundreds, as maybe thousands of people know, in the San Diego he, area. I think he held it in higher regard. It was a much more um, sacred piece of art to my father i think then uh then the sting, then the st- <laughs> the sting. either that or he just wouldn't derive as much pleasure spoiling i mean because everyone knew that butch cassidy and the sentence kid you know what i want to know is what did your dad yell in the theater because it's kind of complicated to, it's not like it's not like bruce willis at the end of the sixth sense he's been dead the whole time well you know like that's easy to um, yell out so it's didn't uh What's the guy's name? George Bernard Shaw. Roy. What's the guy's name? Oh, wait, isn't it Robert Shaw? Robert Shaw. George Bernard Shaw is the playwright. Yes. Uh, Robert Shaw. Isn't it? Uh, should we spoil the sting? We're going to spoil the sting. We're gonna spoil- Spoilers. <laughs> I guess. 19, it's been out 1970, for like 1971. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't even really remember it, but isn't it Robert Shaw is... Uh, are we forgetting the? Do you remember? No, I just saw the sting. Oh, I remember then, it. Then this say is it what, because I'm This forgetting. is what happens at the end. You think that in real time that Robert Redford was betrayed by Paul Newman and he kills Paul Newman and you think that really happened, but that was part of the ruse. Yeah. See, it's hard to even explain to you. No, I you just can don't just say what that. Dad... You can, I don't know. You can, I'll ask him. Your dad it, is for... like, so at the end of the movie, <laughs> you think that Robert Redford kills Paul Newman, but in fact, it is a ruse. It is part of the game and I'll he see. is alive and it's a blood capsule in his mouth. Is that what he yelled? I just don't. I I, I, I want to know. I'll have to ask Anyways, him what he actually. Thank yelled. you, Fudge. But thank you, Fudge, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> really yes. appreciate it. Truly. <laughs> and Fudge was in town for the um, half. He marathon. came to Austin, mm-hmm. cheering oh. us on. It was it was a great time. Uh, did he pick up any babies and pretend to drop them? <laughs> Not that I saw. If he did, it must have been in between miles uh, four and twelve. Mm. <laughs> if he did do that's that. great 
Um, Patrick, I'm just going to give a brief synopsis for those who don't know, yes, who I yes. don't know who they would be. Here we go. Butch Cassidy, played by Paul Newman, and the Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford, are infamous gregarious outlaws in the 1800s. Butch Cassidy is the leader of the Hole in the Wall Gang, an infamous bank-robbing, train-robbing crew. They live a great life robbing banks and trains until a super team of lawmen are put together to kill Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and they go after them. So, as a result, Sundance Kid, Butch Cassidy, they gotta flee to Bolivia! with Sundance's girlfriend at a place played by the beautiful Catherine Ross. And uh, they continue to rob in Bolivia, but they just can't quite escape that past that's haunting them. And soon, well, it catches up to them. Um, Patrick, when did you first see this movie? In high school. Uh, yeah. This is a part of the film education, I would say. It is. And I think... This being my dad's favorite movie played a huge part in me wanting to see it. And in fact, this so the poster that I have for it yeah. was one of the first posters that I put up in my dorm room my first year in college. And it was yeah. a really cool poster. And uh I really You were titillated by it. I was titillated it, by it. And I loved I loved the movie and I loved, you know, when you are a kid and even now, you know, you like things that connect you to your parents. Sure. And well, not you want to impress your father. Yeah, exactly. And um, which you've so r- rarely done. <laughs> I've been an abysmal failure up until I watched <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yes. Kid, and then I was the apple of his eye. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm trying to remember if I watched it first when I because I I I remember buying it at Best Buy when I was like sixteen oh, ish, yeah. and I can't remember if I watched the copy that I purchased or if I had watched it before on Netflix. Um. But Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is a pretty great movie. and it's, This movie makes me sad. It's a melancholy. There's a melancholy to this movie. Yes. That I don't think the sting has. No. But I will say this movie definitely has melancholy, but it is every time I watch it, it's a little bit more humorous and playful than I remember. It is funny. Yeah. It really made me laugh. You know what line I love that really made me laugh? Which one? There's a lot of What's good lines. F- there's a really, but Paul Newman is very funny in this movie. And he comes back to the hole in the wall gang, and there's this big beefy idiot, and he's like, "I'm in charge now." And they have to knife fight to be in control of the gang. And Paul Newman kind of cheats and wins the fight. And one of the guys in the gang was like, "I was really rooting for you, Butch." <laughs> well, thank you, flat nose. That's what sustained me in my time of trouble. I loved uh, so like Sundance Kid, played by Robert Redford, is kind of like exhausted by all of Paul Newman's like harebrained schemes and ideas. Yes. And um, at the end of the movie, as they're under siege by the Bolivian uh, military, <laughs> Butch, Butch pitches like another idea, like, uh, you know where we should go next? <laughs> he's like, next time. Yeah, we're, yeah. The Sundance kid is like, I don't, don't fucking say it. He's like, I don't want to hear it. I don't give a shit. We're about to die. And you like, about to tell me this other thing. And then uh, Butch says, we should go to Australia. Secretly, you wanted to know, so I told you. Australia. And there, like, there was a lot of comedy mind from them being complete idiots when they were trying to, like, rob banks in Bolivia and trying to, like, they were getting out their, like, their notes, like their crib sheets, trying well, to, they like, are, yeah. <laughs> speak they Spanish. they are good at what they do, 
but they are i just like that you see their warts as characters mm-hmm. they're not like super i mean they're smooth and cool but they like fuck up a lot right it's funny this and is it makes not you like endear them to them even more this is not like um brad pitt as jesse james in the assassination of yeah. jesse james by the coward robert ford like it's not this impossibly cool uh effortlessly talented robber it's like these pretty talented um thieves but who also have their blind spots and their missteps. (laughs) Well, this is something about the making of this movie. So this movie was directed by George Roy Hill in 1969, who also directed The Sting and a bunch of other movies, Slapshot, Slaughterhouse-Five. George Roy Hill did Slapshot? Yeah. I didn't know that. George Roy Hill, one of Minneapolis's greatest directors. He's from Minneapolis. He's from Minneapolis? He's from Minneapolis, and legend has it that we went to the same grade school in South Minneapolis. That's really cool. I would have assumed he was British just based on the name. No, I haven't been able to confirm that we went to the same grade school, but he went to the Blake School, which is a private school in Minneapolis, very prestigious, and was kind of a rival of the high school I went to. Oh, cool. Kind of cool. But it was written by William Goldman, who is kind of considered one of the greatest screenwriters of all time. Did he do Uh, Bonnie and Clyde? No, he did not. He did All the President's Men. He did The Princess Bride. And he did, like, touch-ups on, like, a million scripts. Okay. Um, But when he pitched this screenplay, nobody wanted to make it. Because, like we were just saying, in Westerns, the heroes are, like, perfect. Mm -hmm. And the studios really did not like that they fled to South America. Like, they ran away. Yeah, And... Apparently, like that happened in real life. That Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, who are real people, did run away to South America and had like a second act in Bolivia, robbing a bunch of banks. And apparently, and for a studios, fair amount of time too. I was reading uh, they were there for eight years. Yeah, which is crazy. They were able to kind of sustain that for that yeah. long after leaving America. So William Goldman was telling the studios like that, but that's what really happened. They did run away, and the studios would be like, "This is what William Goldman said." Quote. I don't give a shit. All I know is John Wayne don't run away. So it's kind of like making them imperfect was so interesting to their characters, you know? Yeah. And I think, so I don't know if this is, well, it's not necessarily a formal movement. Like, I don't know if this is considered part of, so like there's this period in Hollywood where things really changed. And I think a lot of people cite Bonnie and Clyde as being that sort of inflection point. I think this was definitely a part of that because this doesn't feel unlike Easy Rider and Bonnie and Clyde and stuff. Right. Especially between the end. I think considering the ending and their decision to flee, basically, I think this is definitely a Western that is sort of a subversion of a lot of the Western tropes in a lot of different ways. I mean, I'm trying to think of how many Westerns, I'm not super well-versed in Westerns, but how many Westerns are like about the bad guys or frame the bad guys as the good guys. There's like the wild <sighs> bunch. Um, I kind of feel like that's somewhat normal, but they're like, I don't know. That's a good question. I am not. Are you a Western guy? I'm not really. I do love Westerns, but I'm not like. I hate not dust. S- you hate dust? I hate dust and dirt. And Westerns are so dirty. Do you like uh, Sergio Leone's movies? Like the They're all names? right. I don't seek them out necessarily. I no, was... I don't really like them. They're okay. They're fine. Okay. I, get, I get nothing out of them. I'd rather watch Kill Bill, which is kind of a, a Western 
ninja movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I love the good, the mad, the ugly. But I remember the first time I saw it, I was shocked at how long it is. It is so long. It's almost three hours long to get the bad and the ugly. Confession time, Patrick. What? I've never seen the good, bad. You've the never ugly. seen the good, bad. And the ugly. I've never seen it. Like I just said a few moments ago, I'm not a Western guy. So we gotta do. I don't we know. should do a spaghetti Western on here at some point. Yeah, we should. Because those are artsy fartsy movies for sure. Yeah, they are. Um, but back to Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yes, I yeah, I think I think that we're on this onto something. Like this is revelatory. It's not. <laughs> it's not new. People have written we're about the breaking this ground here. Or <laughs> trailblazers. But yeah, I think uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is in that spirit of those yeah. films. That I think kinda, it is too. Yeah. And in some ways, The Sting is a more conventional movie, but it came out later. Yeah, I would agree with that. But yeah, this movie, there's just a sense of melancholy with this movie that kind of makes me sad because you just feel like things are ending. Mm-hmm. Like, you, it feels like the ending is not surprising, you know? No, and then I think Paul Newman, uh, Butch Cassidy has this line that says, every day you get older, that's just a law. Yeah. You know, it's just like, this is kind of the, that's basically the thesis of the film. It's like, time just keeps passing, and things change, and nothing is ever going to be the way that it was, ever. And you can never get back to that specific feeling, that specific time, that specific place. And that's what it kind of feels like. There's like a nostalgia pang. Mm -hmm. Patrick, something I wanted to bring up with this movie. Yeah. Did you feel like mm, Bush Cassidy, Sundance Kid, at a place? That was a bit of a thruple situation going it on It felt there. very thruply. Very thruply. I can't help but think there was some hanky-panky. I mean, there's some, <laughs> like, uh, you know, some gay energy between Bush Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and I'm sure... At a place was involved with that. Something was going on there. I mean, they have that whole romantic bike ride together. Okay, let me ask you. So that's one of the most famous sequences in the movie. Raindrops (laughs) keep falling on my head. (laughs) What do you think of that sequence? Now, great question. That song feels out of place. It feels so anachronistic. And it's the only time there's any music like that. That's not of the or trying to be of that time i mean it's not a bad song i have nothing against the song but it's I yeah anachronistic like is perfect it's fine burt uh, Bacharach has it so burt Bacharach did the music for this movie the song yes. was sung by this guy bj thomas but it it feels it's very 70s or like six it feels of the time right to do that exactly it feels very anachronistic but it also feels very like what's the word for like it feels like show tunesy kind of I felt a similar way in Call Me By Your Name whenever a Sufjan Stevens song would come on. Oh, I totally forgot Sufjan Stevens songs were in Call Me By Your Name. And I was like, this is not of... They're playing music from, like, when was that, the 80s? And then it's like, Sufjan sounds so now. Mm-hmm. Like, it seemed odd. So, Did you notice just how many montages there were in this movie? I guess I didn't. There's a, lot there a of, lot? there's a lot of montages to the point that I was curious if any other movie has this many montages. Well, this this the narrative of this movie, it's not kind of like this happens and this happens. It is sort of loosey-goosey for a lot of it, mm-hmm. you know? And like it just sort of builds to a head, but like there's so much of it just them kind of like riding and it's like, where are they going? What are they doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, if you think about, and I like that about it. It's not boring, but no, it's not. And, but I think that's a great point because if you compare it to other classic Westerns, like the searchers or high noon or stagecoach, 
This one is definitely more free form than any of those other yeah. westerns. Like this is definitely a little bit more of like people just kind of ambling. And now when you say freeform, you don't mean the network that was previously called ABC Family, correct? Whoa, wait, that's what freeform is? Yes. So ABC Family is no more, it's now freeform. Yes. So uh, Luce just posted about single drunk female, is that what it's called? Have you, have you heard yes. of the show? Yes, because there's an actress in that that was supposed to be in Luce's short film that I produced, Surprise, oh. and she had to she had to leave the short because to be on that show. Wow, good for her. Yeah, although I think Surprise will probably end up doing better once it gets its several Academy Awards. Then we'll be laughing at her. Who there'll be egg on that person's face. Her face. Yeah. Madison Shepard. Madison Shepard. No, she's very talented. Uh, Nothing wrong with her. But yeah, uh Luce posted about it and I've heard the show advertised in various uh media I consume. And it's have you watched it? It looks kind of funny. It looks interesting. No, I have not I've mm. not watched it. Luce recommends I've been too so. busy watching Iffy's show, Grand mm, Crew. Grand Crew, yeah. And Which you Iffy were... did promise an uncensored non simulated sex special, I believe. <laughs> he did. In the last episode. <laughs> He did promise that, I believe. Yeah. Uh, we should get so Leah. So we'll hold him to that. We'll get Leah on that. She can uh, yeah. litigate his ass. Yes, please. Yes, Litigating please the thought dad. The thought daddy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, um, yes, go ahead, Patrick. Well, I wanted to ask you. Please. Robert Redford and Paul Newman come into your room. Yeah. Middle of the night. Ooh. They both disrobe. <gasps> you can choose one. Who are you choosing? Oh, shit. Well, oh, it's so hard. It's so difficult to say. Really? I have mine locked and loaded. I think Paul Newman. Yeah, I gotta say Paul Newman. It's Paul Newman. Robert Redford is very handsome, but Paul Newman is just like this. He's a man. And Trisha also said, Trisha keeps adding my wife, Trisha. She keeps saying like, oh, yeah, he's my hall pass, too. She keeps adding hall passes. And I, to me, am like, you need to just pick one. But she keeps adding it's a pamphlet at this Paul point. Paul Newman is, is like a Nolan Void hall pass because I he's know, dead. I know, but she put so. him as she put him as dead hall pass. Yeah, that's a, you can have a trillion dead hall passes. Yeah, but she only has one and most of her hall passes oh, that she keeps adding. Who, Man, it's, who, they're alive and kicking and looking good. Who's the one she mentions most frequently? Jake Gyllenhaal, who one time I said, oh, I think Jake Gyllenhaal's in that. I can't remember what movie. Oh, they're making a feature film version of the musical and graphic novel Fun Home and Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play the father. And I said, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be that. And Trisha said, without any sense of, like, this was not a joke. I caught her by surprise. I said, Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be that. And she said, Jakey's going to be in that? <laughs> and that was disturbing. Like, very earnestly. Like she's Very <laughs> earnest. Remember I when Jake Gyllenhaal moment. was in The Prince of Persia? That was a nadir of his. Did you career. see that movie? No, me of neither. I didn't. I think after that he really reass. I think he took a few years off actually after that <laughs> and No, I seriously think he did. I think he was like, "Why was I in that? That was horrible." And he has. I th- I love Jake Gyllenhaal. I, I do think too. he's one of my favorite actors. Do you think Donnie Darko is a reasonable movie to do on this podcast? Hmm. Great question. <sighs> I think yes. I think yes. I mean, it's only it's become famous, you know, but at the time no one was seeing that damn movie. No. No you know? one saw it. It was very Have you seen it in recent years? 
No, I haven't seen it since I was probably 17. Have you? Well, when I saw it when I was 17, I thought, has art achieved such heights? <laughs> well, did I think we talked about this with Iffy, or maybe it was, who else? Yeah, it was Iffy. Yeah, it was with week, Iffy. Yeah. Like, if there was a girl on her MySpace profile that had Donnie Darko as one of her favorite movies, I was like, marrying her. Mary walked in. Yeah, she's got good but taste. <laughs> I, I, I watched it probably two years ago. Oh, God. I will say it's not as deep as I thought it was. Okay. Was is it at least competently made and entertaining? Yeah, okay, it is. Okay. But it's like, I'm kind of like, it was a little eye-rolly. Uh, okay. Like not as bad as like Boondock Saints. But I saw that. I was obsessed with Donnie Darko and I saw it at a midnight screening, like a re, like, uh, not when it was like just released, but like, um, what are those called where they re repertory screening? Yeah. Repertory screening at the Uptown theater in Minneapolis when I was 18. I saw a midnight screening of the director's cut of Donnie Darko on Halloween. And, uh, it was great. Great moment. Speaking of nostalgia, talk about that, dude. Just inject that into my fucking veins. Is there a moment? Anyways. Wait, now that we're on that topic. Yes. Is there a moment to you that you really wish you could relive? I mean, I mean, probably a handful, but thousands upon thousands. Uh, that would be a fun one, actually. Relive—that's such an interesting. Maybe not relive, but you—if you could harness that feeling and use it like a drug. I I have so many things I would want to redo, but your question is a little bit different. Your question is relive. Yeah, you, I'm, you're not deviating from what happened. You're just reliving it. You're just back there and soaking it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be one of them. I think I would like to be back in high school, which I look back on very fondly now. Mm. Uh, I feel college. very little fondness towards high school. I had no fondness towards college. Really? Though. I had a very hard time during college. Mm. So I think that would be a fun one. Going to, I'll just say that. Going to that midnight screening. I remember it so clearly. That's great. Maybe I'm playing to the crowd here a bit too much, but I really loved the night we went to go see Silent Night, Deadly Night. I didn't even think about recent things. That was such a fun night. That was a very it? fun night. Okay, so a little... Here we go. This is Silent Night, Deadly Night. You bring that up. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing this around. Oh, God, I should win a fucking award for this. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night. The killer Santa at the beginning yeah. is played by Charles Deercop. Okay. Should I know Charles that name? Charles Deercop is in uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. What? As flat nose. No fucking way. I am not fucking you, my man. Wait, I how, am did, not how did you know you. this? I don't understand. How- because I was like, oh, flat. I was looking this up today. I was like, flat nose. That guy's funny. I wonder what he did before after are you serious if he's still alive. and then you looked him up and i looked him up and bush casting the sundance kid and his biggest credits are bush casting the sundance kid the sting and silent night deadly night <laughs> so oh my god that's extraordinary that around that was a great night beyond fest i saw a little there's something bubbling did you see this on twitter no no what something's happening with beyond fest like they're gonna announce stuff soon but no 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 it's february they wouldn't announce anything that soon i'm gonna read a tweet from elvram all right you know him yeah 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 evram ursoy of the programmer of beyond fest he tweeted today if you hear a rumbling a coming it's beyond fest 2022 and beyond fest 
responded to that and it said we can neither confirm nor deny okay that's cool that's very exciting just that's saying cool. this would going. be very early though because they don't patrick have... i am counting on you to inform me when beyond fest tickets go up yeah, it's it's harder since I've been I'm like nominally on Instagram. I'll delete the app and then I'll take like a week break and then check back in. Check back on Dan Belzerian's uh, Instagram page. Yeah, and get, have you heard of this guy Gary V? Gary V, no. So Gary V is like this weirdo sort of guy who's obsessed with like wealth creation and like inspiring people to Oh yeah, I've seen this. Guy. One of those yeah, fucking assholes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Where was that? <laughs> Patrick, we got to get to the farts yeah, test. Let's get to I'm the farts test. Okay, this is the fartsy test, which is the test used to determine the fartsiness of a movie, which is our scale that gauges how impenetrable, unapproachable, and generally artsy fartsy a movie is. We continually add and subtract from the list. It's a living document, much like the Constitution, but far more important. Patrick, are there any disorienting sound design choices? No. I don't think so. One could argue that the, the raindrops keep falling on my head <laughs> yeah. sequence is disorienting. And what's potentially disorienting... Well, I loved this touch, but did you notice how it started out in sepia tone and then loved morphed it. into color? Yeah, loved that. Morphed into color. And then when they do the montage, again, montage, crazy in this movie, of them traveling from the West to Bolivia, which is a long montage. It's long. Don't you feel it? Yes. It's like at least two minutes, if not more. Oh, it's longer than that. Yeah. But it's just pictures. Right. Of them thruppling all across the United States. <laughs> they had a threesome. Oh, they sure did, dude. Catherine Ross. They didn't I call love it the her. Wild West for nothing, dude. Hey. <laughs> Would you Woo. rather live. Okay, let's say it's 1898. 1898. I'm Would there. you Go. rather live in the Wild West or New York City? New York City, a hundred times. I would never live in the Wild West. But do you know how Again, gross said, it was dust. in the cities at that time? Not for a fop like me. <laughs> I would be a fop of some kind in the city. <laughs> You'd be a dandy. I'd be a bit of a dandy, a little Yankee. I'd have a little kerchief. I would, you know, I'd be like an Ichabod Crane type. Uh, <laughs> Ichabod. I would never be in the Wild a- West. ACAB it's... includes Ichabod Crane. <laughs> Was he a part of the police force? Yeah, he was he a, a teacher? cop. No, Ichabod Crane was a no, cop. No, I think Ichabod Crane was a cop. At least in Sleepy Hollow, he's a cop. I don't know about the original, like in the move, the Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow, he is a cop. I don't know about the original story. Hmm. He works for the NYPD. In, he does not work for the NYPD. He's what, not uh, even in N- NY City. And he starts though, and he gets dispatched to Sleepy Hollow from New York City. Have you seen Sleepy that Hollow? That is the movie. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> Look at dude. All I'm saying is a cap includes Ichabod, Ichabod Crane. Crane. It's not complicated. Got his head chopped off though. He got what was coming to him. Not in the movie. What are we talking about? Uh, Ichabod Crane. I would be a dandy. Would you rather be in the Wild West? I would rather be like in that town from First Cow than in New York City. Oh my God! Heavens no. Do you know how gross New York City was? And like it was Patrick- like so classist, and I mean, still is, but even more so then. Patrick, you just want me to live in that damn little hut with you in First Cow and sweep up I just want us making little cakes together. Yeah, I know you do. But Patrick, (laughs) come to New York City. We can make our cakes there. I don't know. Is there suicide? This is an interesting question. No, but... In a way, 
death by cop at the end mm-hmm. don't you think they knew they were gonna die yeah it's a weird line it's just like i think it, the, there was no way I, like i wouldn't necessarily call it suicide i think it's kind of suicidal yeah yeah i suppose yeah mm. does someone masturbate is there a penis in this movie no Mm-mm. disappointingly to both of us i think we yes have decided well, we've talked about before we don't understand how these actors in like the early 60s like more fit than like any human that's ever lived. Like what workout regimens? Yeah. Why do they have that? You know, you've seen cool hand Luke. Mm -hmm. Paul Newman is like jacked. And I'm like, what are you doing? You were like smoking cigarettes and eating hamburgers all day. And you have like a steaks and like mashed potatoes. I don't get it. It's a, it's frustrating. Yeah. It's portion control, man. Portion control. Maybe it portion control. Yeah. Maybe they were just malnourished. (laughs) Well, we're just like fat hogs eating. (laughs) mcdonald's uh no no penis although you know like we said if there's some sort of uh scene on the cutting room floor where there's some sort of thruple menage a trois are there topics images or behaviors that go beyond what would be considered acceptable in a mainstream film hmm no no i don't think so no can peanuts start watching this movie after 8 p.m without falling asleep i would say yes yes but i did watch it in the morning excuse me Mm, can Peanut record a podcast while falling asleep? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, this is a very fun, exciting movie, though. Like, when I was watching it, I had to watch it in two parts because we, I had something to do. But I was, like, elated to get back to it because it was so fun. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Is there an inordinate amount of milling about so much so this could be retitled the 2013 comedy starring Jason Sudeikis, We're the Millers? I, there is quite a bit of milling. I think there's about, quite I a think. bit of milling. The milling quotient is pretty high for Very a high. Western. But I mean, some Westerns what, have a lot of milling, but I mean, it, it's a lot of just butch and Sundance. This is not existential milling, though. This is like comedy milling. Like when they're like milling about, it's funny and entertaining. True. It's not but like. But there are existential elements of it because they're kind of reflecting on how times have changed and how the, the West, as they know it, is over. So there is that yeah, sort of existential element. Yeah, but it's not element. like it's not like a Kelly Reichert western where it's like, true, true. Wow, look at the sunset. We're so small. It's, like it's not like that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, it's it's existential, but it's imbued with a sense of humor and more audience friendly content. Yes, Patrick, poster titillation level. You have this poster. I loved that poster that I had. Uh, the is post- it the last shot of the movie? Yeah, I guess it is the last shot of the movie. That is the last shot of the movie. Yeah. You never met a pair like Butch and the Kid. Yeah. They're taking trains. They're taking banks. And they're taking one piece of baggage. That's good. I want to give a little shout out to Catherine Ross. Man, was she in some good movies. She was in the original Stepford Wives. She was in The Graduate. She was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Awesome. And she's married to Sam Elliott. She's married to Sam Elliott? Yep. Holy shit. That's pretty cool. And they've been married since 1984. Wow. Good for them. Yeah, Catherine Ross yeah. was great in this. Uh, and she has kind of like, like she has an important part because she's like, I'm not going to watch you guys die. Mm-hmm. And then when she decides to leave them, it's kind of a small scene. She's like, I think I'm going to head back home. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. Whatever you whatever you want. And it's like very clear, like, oh, God. Did you read? She senses they're going to die. So I think we may have mentioned this, or maybe people know that this is nominally a true story. Uh, it's yes. loosely based on true events. Did you look up uh, Etta Place's um, Wikipedia entry, the real Etta Place? No. There are 
many there's it's very inconclusive what ended up happening to her in fact there's many different theories about who she was where she ended up living out her days really yeah it's really interesting, interesting. i highly if anyone is interested uh if anyone really enjoyed this movie and is interesting about it interested check out her wikipedia entry because there's all sorts of really fascinating theories on who she was oh. and who she ended up being I just want to say about William Goldman, the man who wrote this, it is an original screenplay. It's not based on any book or anything because he didn't really want to have to stick to the facts. Mm-hmm. So he like did a bunch of research, but he was like, I'm going to write a story based around this, not like worry about whether it was true or not. Yeah. And well, I, which I kind of appreciate. And I like the text at the beginning too. That's like, it's not like this is a true story. It just says most of the following is true. Yeah. Uh, William Goldman, he wrote a book about working in the movie industry called Adventures in the Screen Trade, which is a very famous book. And the first line of that book is, nobody knows anything, which I always think about. And uh, I think it's kind of a cool thing for like the most accomplished screenwriter ever to say. Well, the older I get, I realize that. Oh, yeah, me too. Everyone's just incompetent and just has no idea what they're doing. Also, I just feel like I have become less intimidated by people in, in professional settings, I think, as I get older. Yeah. I'm like, everyone's kind of full of shit. Like, you you aren't... I'm still working you, on internalizing that. Like, I think I intellectually kind of know that, but I'm we're still working on internalizing it. I guess I just mean, like, I used to be, like, so, like, oh, my God, they're so smart. They're so much smarter than me. They can run circles around me. But I'm like, no one's that smart. No yeah. one's that gifted. No. I mean, look at us. We have a mildly successful podcast, and we're idiots. We come <laughs> Complete buffoons. <laughs> uh, Patrick, the amount of wrong shit we've c- said over the years, over the years, over the past. Well, it's almost been two yeah. years. I've got two full. This this fucker was started in 2020, man. Yeah, we're in 2022. But over the years, we've said yes. the amount of dumb shit we've said could <laughs> fill up fucking Epcot, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Patrick, stop. Uh, that's inappropriate. Uh, Patrick, what's your score for this movie? You ready? Yep. 5.3. Ooh, I was going to say 5. I'll say 5.3. It's a... Yeah, this is Academy Award winning movie. It's not really... It would play in the art house cinema, I suppose, but and, maybe not. Uh, 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 What's his name? Robert Casey? Redford. No, Robert Redford has the Sundance Institute, which is for... And there's the Sundance Film Festival. Independent. Which is all for independent film, independent cinema, and yep. independent artists. Yeah. Ostensibly. Uh, yeah. And I think this, this is movie a bit of a Farsi calibration test. Yeah, but, you know, and I think it, it subverts enough elements of the Western genre that it's it's atypical. Yeah, absolutely. And You're it takes some risks. It does taste right. I think narratively it's different. It feels not like, like we said, it's not like a three act structure. Really, it's like meandering and weird, and it's kind of split in two, and they flee. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. It's it's odd. Yeah, it's bifurcated so. in a sort of like. Oh, great fucking so. word, Patrick. <laughs> Jesus. Well, it's, but I think that's a really good wow. point about how like it, it really there is kind of like this pivot from the first yeah, you know half first two thirds of the movie to the last half one third of the movie when they go to Bolivia. You remember in the the show Friends when Ross is trying to move the couch up the stairs and he's going. I've, that's pivot 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 one of the few clips i've actually seen from have you watched all of friends 
Yes. Do you like Friends? It's a great show. I love Friends. You can't like Friends and Seinfeld. They're mutually what exclusive. What is this deal with people that say I can't like Friends and Seinfeld? I love them both. No, you can't. They're mutually exclusive. Why not? Because they're both funny and they're both from the 90s and I like both of them. Because Friends isn't good. <gasps> Shut up. You don't know anything. You don't know anything. I know some things. I know not that I was that. I know that I was fired by my therapist today. Oh, Patrick. <laughs> wow. Wow, you're just going to drop that in there like that. <laughs> Do you want people to sympathize with you or do you want to be the enemy? Because you're being the enemy to me right now. I want people to sympathize. I want people to slide into my DMs and offer to therapize me. Offer therapists? Yeah. What if someone's like, I'm a listener. I'll be your therapist. I'm a licensed therapist. No. What if a listener. And they're, 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 they're a actually a licensed therapist? Yeah. No, absolutely not. That's good. No. Okay, good. And it would be very unprofessional of them to do that. Yeah, it would be a regular whatever her name if they was were, from if, Short Bus. Yeah, yes, exactly. The worst therapist in the world. <laughs> oh, my God. She was going through some stuff at home. I suppose, but it shouldn't affect your patience. Patrick, the movie we're talking about next week, I'm very excited about. I want to start doing this more often. We're talking about a new movie that, you know, it's been nominated for an Academy Award under international film. Joaquin Trier's the worst person in the world. And we've never seen this movie. No, I'm very excited. Have you seen his other film, any of his other no. movies? This will be my first Joaquim movie. Oh, I remember seeing Reprise, Reprise, which is his debut film. I don't know uh-huh. how to pronounce it. I think it's Reprise, but I've heard people call it Reprise. It blew me away. I saw it wow. uh, on campus at UCLA at the Melnitz Hall, at Melnitz Movies, and it was an extra... I'm pretty sure it's his debut. Maybe... If not his debut, at least his breakthrough movie. Um, but it was fantastic. And then I saw some. I saw his next one called um, something Oslo. It was like a date something in Oslo. It was very very good. Oslo August thirty first. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Also very good. So yeah, I'm very excited to see this movie. Me too. Uh, yeah, I remember you and Katie Welsh were talking about Joaquin Trier, and I think she was talking about this movie. She and- was. Yeah. So I'm excited. And I to think see it. you were kind of on the outside looking in. We were kind of just having like we're just vibing. Yeah, I was actually riffing. just going to say that, Patrick. That's so funny you say that. I was like, hmm, they're talking about something I don't really know, and I don't really like that. I'm just sort of sitting here. Like you could have logged off. Would have been fine. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Honestly, I could have I could have disappeared into the ocean. And yeah, you guys we, we, we didn't even know you were in the Zoom call anymore. Yeah, I could. Fe- that was the energy I felt. <laughs> So I'm going to rectify that by watching this movie. Cool, cool, um, cool. So we're going to watch that. Yeah. Patrick, that's it. We did another episode. Can you believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? Have you heard that Tig Notaro bit? No. It's a, you know, the comedian Tig I Notaro? I love Tig. I love her. She has this really funny bit about how, like, when uh, her friends sent out, like, these, like, you know, year-end updates, like, around Christmas time or, like, yeah. the New Year's when they're, like... So and so did this this year, and our this person did this this year, and she she says like, and Stephanie is starting kindergarten this year. Can you believe it? Well, yeah, she's about five, uh, so she's following the normal trajectory of the human life. Yeah, I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> Tinker Turtle. She's so good. She's so funny. She's oh so my God. funny. But that bit's great. <laughs> yeah, I saw her open for Mark Marin like gosh like seven years ago and it was Mm -hmm. amazing it was so good god she is such she's so fucking funny yeah yeah i can can totally hear her saying yeah i can totally wrap my head around that (laughs) 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 oh goodness well that's our show yeah 
Oh, and one, one, on one, wait, can we do one more thanks yes, to the Faj for sponsoring the, the oh episode? Oh, my God. Bless thee. Bless thee, Faj. I hope, Patrick, I really hope his days of running into theaters and ruining the endings of movies are behind him. As far as I know, Because that would be so over. embarrassing. <laughs> He's like... In his late 50s, early 60s, he shouldn't be doing that. It would be funny if he still did do that. Though. God, I just hope he's done with that type of life. <laughs> um, but thank you, Faj. Thank really you, Faj. appreciate it. Honestly, the continued support of our parents, it means a lot. Both your parents and my parents. It really Maj, does. Faj, Kevin, and Sandra. It was very, I loved, too, when your mom sent the email to me about the uh, the sting. Who, who did she say didn't her mom's... Your mom's friend's mom ruined the sting for her. The didn't sting, she? yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was the regular fog. Every, everyone scenario. is getting the sting ruined for. Them. <laughs> I know that's the sting. The real sting of the movie the is that. Real sting is the spoiler. <laughs> Wait, I was going to ask this. Do you like the sting or Butch Cassidy better? I like Butch Cassidy more. But it's been See, this is the fourth, I, the third or fourth time I've seen Butch Cassidy. I've only seen the sting once. I think I originally was like, oh, I like the Sting more. I think watching it, I've watched them both within the last month. Oh, okay. And uh, I think I like Butch Cassidy more. I'd be curious you know, to watch my, the Sting again because it's been so long. But my favorite, Slapshot. I love Slapshot so much. I have never seen Slapshot. Oh, you haven't? Oh, Patrick. No. Oh, phenomenal. I've also never seen The Hustler. I haven't seen that either. I just put that on my list because I want to. I haven't seen The Color of Money either, and that's like a sequel to the. Hustler. I watched The Color of Money when I had COVID, uh, and uh, it helped me feel better, kind of. <laughs> it healed you. It healed me. <laughs> the, so that's the original vaccine. Will. Color of Money. Yeah. <laughs> that's the real mRNA, dude. That's, okay. <laughs> oh God. Follow us on Twitter at Farthouse Pod, Instagram Farthouse Pod. Patrick is on Twitter at Patrick R. Mallon. He's on Letterboxd at PR Mallon. I am Casey Lee O'Brien on all services. And if you want to act like the Fage and actually get pick the movie for an episode, Venmo Patrick, Patrick Dash Mallon. We have to approve the movie, but you have to Venmo him $100 and you have to be a patron of the farts. So if you want to be just a regular patron of the farts, go to patreon.com slash farthouse pod. It's just five bucks a month, and you get a substantial amount of content. You're in, okay. First of all, substantial amount of content. You're inheriting an entire community that accepts you for who you are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I would pay a million dollars for such a thing. We are now at fifty-eight, and it's February twenty-third. <gasps> if wow. we get seventeen uh, more uh, by midnight on February twenty-eighth, I will shave half of my chest hair. See, I feel like you want to do this because. I didn't even push you to do this. You're like, fine, I, 75 I'll do it. would be cool. For 75 patrons, I will absolutely do it. That's that'd okay. be sick. That'd be sick. We need the actual video of you shaving. Okay. Actually, we need to do a zoom of this, Patrick. Because last we time will, you went and shaved on. after your we face do it? without we my do knowledge. It, uh, a lot. No, that would be boring. I was gonna no, say, it would be funny. I could pester you with questions. Oh, no, but I was going to say live for all of the patrons. Is that boring? Yeah. No. You think all the patrons would want to watch me shave my chest? Yes, I think they would. Okay. Well, we, we can, can put give up a them poll, the option. But I... Yeah, we could give them the option. You can tune in or not, or you could watch yeah. the. No, we're not forcing them. Yeah. This isn't like Clockwork Orange. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, 17 more. So spread the words. You have five days. In fact, also, actually, this is. We need to extend this, actually, because this is not going to air until March 1st. Yeah. 
All right, so you have until Friday, March 4th. Is that right? Okay, that's fine, yes. All right. Fr- to get 75? Yeah, come on, get out there. And how you can help get more followers and more patrons of the farts is if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show a lot. If you like this show, if you've been enjoying listening to this, please leave us a five-star review. And I think we got a few new listeners from that Reddit post. And also, Ify being on brought in some people. So if you're here and you like this show, leave us a five-star review. It really helps the show. Yes. And if you don't feel like typing a bunch of shit on Apple and you listen on Spotify, very easy to give us a five-star rating on Spotify on the show page. I don't know it's how true. much that helps, but the uh, Apple shit helps Apple better. Podcast, yeah, the Apple but... podcast really actually means so. You can do both. No one's you. You can do both. Do both. So yeah. Uh, that is all. That is us. We are the Cinephile Cuties signing off. Bye bye. Patas. 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 Patas.